Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Nerds with Friends. My name is Cody Leach and as always I'm joined by Christian Garcia. Yo. In person again. I know, I could reach out and from touch From 148 you. Studios, our new fun studio space. It's amazing to be able to uh, talk to people in person. Speaking of talking to people in person, we have Joe from Mythic Markets here. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. Joe, what's your last name? <laughs> uh, so I'm Joe Mahavutivani. Mahavutivani. Yes, he is. I think I could have gotten that. I should have put more effort in. I don't think so. But uh, thank you for joining us. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about Mythic Markets uh, in just a little bit. Super interesting business idea. I'm super excited to talk about it. Um, one thing we like to do at Nerds with Friends as we start the show is we do a little thing called Nerdy Confessions, where we kind of confess the things that make us nerds. Um, and Christian and I will uh, go first um, so that you have kind of, I don't know, an idea. But it's pretty pretty easy to come up with one, I think. I think you're going to have no problem with this whatsoever. Uh, so my nerdy confession um, is I recently, and I'm pretty sure I owned it already at some point, but maybe I lost it or sold it or gave it to somebody. But I repurchased the Frank Miller omnibus of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's so good. I'm just reading, I'm like a third of the way through. It's like 900 pages long. Um, but man, it is so good. And I, and I, I had it at one point and I think I must've lent it to someone, but I had the paperback before and now I have the hardback. So I'm notorious for buying the same book like two or three times. I can't find it. I'm like, I really want to look at it or read it, Mm -hmm. get it on Amazon. And then I find the other copy. I'm pretty sure I have at least a couple, uh, like copies of saga like volume two because i was like oh i really want to start reading saga again where's volume two and so i just buy it and then i find it and i have two of them sitting right next to each other um but it's fine because then i can you know hand it to somebody i'm like here read this start on volume two well the way i great the way i feel about it's like you know what i'm giving the artist more money i'm cool with that they'll create more exactly i think it's always good to you know add back into the the industry for sure. They give us so much, you know, yeah. we just give a little, but, uh, yeah, the Frank Miller, uh, I will say the Frank Miller only, uh, drew for the first, uh, I want to say like 20 issues or 15 issues, something like that. And then he started writing. Once he starts writing, you're like, Oh, this is what I was looking for for sure. <laughs> Cause, uh, first, uh, the seventies were a different time in comic books as you know, you're trying a lot of stuff, you know, it's, I'm, it's fun to read the older stuff because it's where everything that we love came from. And, you know, those guys who grew up reading that were able to write the stories that are so good and so in depth now that you have to appreciate it. But it's like, it's like listening to music from the sixties and seventies. Some of it's just not very good, but we wouldn't be where we are today without you know saying led zeppelin's not that good no led zeppelin's way ahead of their time (laughs) i can i can go for two hours talking about led zeppelin and how much i love them uh christian what is your nerdy confession so my nerdy confession is i started playing predator hunting ground yep and i was all so that's a new game where one person plays as predator one person and then four people four to five people uh fire team so you're you actually you're the grinder essentially you're you're the marines and what's cool about it is like it really brings back the original feel of the original movie Mm -hmm. Um, i mean unfortunately you're not you don't get to play as those original guys but it it plays out very much the same a lot of the background noise is the same like the uh the boars running around um 
all the equipment on the Predator sounds just like the original movie. Sure. So it's it's all that's great. I was so jazzed about going to be playing as the Predator, and I suck at him. Yeah. So bad. I so <laughs> I see people jumping around left and right, and just just take, taking out a whole team. Yeah. And I suck at it. And it hurts. Well, you know, I'm sure there's some <laughs> terrible predators out there too. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm sure Arnold just had to deal with like the worst one. You know, there's probably a guy who's like an intern predator who's, you know, shoots himself in the foot with the laser thing. You know, but he turns turns too far and blows his own face off. You know, that yeah, sort that of would, thing. That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm halfway decent as one of the Marines, which is was not what I signed up for. But but what got me really excited yeah. is that soon they're gonna actually drop the Dutch skin. Ooh, yeah, so you, you son of a bitch. Yeah, so I was like, all right, all right, I'm kind of okay with playing the Marine now. That's pretty cool. Um, so do each of the Marines have different skill sets? Is it like a, so kind you of can a class be, based? Yeah, you can be like Assault, uh, Scout, um, Recon, and they all get different buffs. Which which one is the class where you stand on a bridge and slice your own with chest Billy? open? I don't know, but they should have They should that. do that. They should have cool like emotes whatever that are from the from the movie i think that would be cool well, if you're playing as a predator what the hell are you i'm sure they're gonna they have to do that with yeah. dutch but arnold did come in to voice new stuff so it's not excellent. just old stuff from the movies excellent there's and, gonna be a million uh, D- dlcs yeah nearby. oh yeah, I'd, I'd be 100 percent down you know get uh what's his name carl weathers in there um arnold schwarzenegger uh Shane Black, Dude, was, I'd be uh, down. one of his first roles, who even, went on to direct Iron Man. Even Danny Glover, three? like bring that back, like the city one, you know? Oh, yeah. The, what was that called? Streets something streets. I don't remember. I Predator, love Predator Two. I love that movie. I know it gets, it gets that was the first way. one where they hinted at an alien crossover. Yeah, with the skull, the skull the of the xenomorph in the back of the ship was kind of cool, and they had the disc thing. Yeah. That was sick. I remember there was an arcade game, I think, Alien versus Predator or something. It's supposed to be Dutch, and the, the big guy you play is Dutch. It's just he's got, like, a robotic arm or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I remember that. No, I was talking about the one where you play as Predators with the staff, and then one of them has the disc, and it shoots around and kills there, aliens. I think I it's an I think alien. that was Aliens versus Predator. Yeah, I think that was an arcade game back I in the never, day. I mean, I bought all of them because I love the Predator franchise. I bought all those games, but I never once said I'd like, oh, worth my dollars. This one, though, for sure. Really, okay. I really enjoyed this. Gotcha. Show. Very cool. All right, Joe. What's your nerdy confession, my friend? Um, I don't know. A hu- I'm a huge uh, Trekkie. Oh, very Star nice. Um, get along with this guy. Yeah. yeah. I finally talk Trek with someone because this guy sucks and never watches any of it. <laughs> I started. Actually, I like the one with uh, you know Sir Patrick Stewart. The one with Sir Patrick Stewart. I, it's called Next, Next Generation. Generation. I saw. Like, Shut your mouth. Like the first five episodes was really good. It oh just, my god. I don't know about the first five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've enjoyed. It's not good until Riker grows the beard. I've enjoyed that. So I'm, there's a lot oh, to look forward to. Yeah. So you big Trekkie. Yeah, um, you love love collecting, uh, and you know one thing I recently picked up was uh, an Enterprise D uh, keychain. Very and cool. Also a, uh, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, a Horgon keychain. Oh, very cool. I may cool. be seeking Jamaharon. <laughs> Jamaharon. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, just I mean I, I in isolation, it's nice to go back and rewatch a lot of the old episodes. Uh, just in the background, and it, in some ways, it kind of feels like you're hanging out with old friends. Yeah, I I hundred percent rewatch that all the time when I need when I need to like not only zone out and relax a little bit, 
But when I when I feel like the world around us is just going to shit, which is a lot recently, you know. Um, what are you talking about? Yeah, everything's been fantastic. <laughs> everything's fine. Everything's fine. The um, great. But uh, because it had such an optimistic view of the future, not only like the original series, but Next Generation as well. Voyager and Deep Space Nine are kind of their own little thing, but uh, Next Gen I think does a really good job of kind of imagining like a future where, you know, politics and race and things have kind of, you know, earth has become so desensitized because apparently we're living in a utopia that when they're introduced to differing cultures and, um, you know, different planets where they have different traditions and stuff, it's really interesting to see how they handle it. And I think that all came from Gene Roddenberry. Definitely. I mean, I think uh, one thing that made the next gen as good as it was was the uh, chemistry between the characters themselves. A hundred percent. It was th- that was the only series I think where the the actors themselves were sort of friends offset and actually got along. Um, DS Nine's an incredible series. Voyager also in its own way, mm-hmm. but they had their own sort of back, behind the camera issues. Right. Yeah, I've I've definitely heard that on Deep Space Nine and Voyager makes sense with some of them in. In fact, what's her name? Seven or uh, uh, yeah. So I I, I heard um, she's she does obviously she still loves Star Trek because she's still very involved in the community. But um, I heard she was um, a little difficult to work with. And then what's her name? Uh, Kess. Oh yeah. Uh, she has definitely gone a little bit off the deep end. Yeah, I think she's got some issues. She's too. got some yeah substance abuse and stuff. So that's unfortunate, and hopefully I wasn't going on with that. But I think <laughs> ov- overall, I think Next Gen is, I think, the epitome of Star Trek. I like it better than the original. The original, again, going back to Daredevil and like seeing where things came from, you have to respect like this was a, a, a innovative space show when for it, the time for the time. Looking at it now, it's like, man, everyone's wearing like wool shirts, <laughs> and it's like it's future dude. People are like smoking on the bridge with around that. I don't think that actually happened, <laughs> but it might have. Who knows? But uh, and Kirk was just like having sex with every alien ever. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of how you know uh, Citizen Kane is considered you know one of the most influential films of all time. If you watch it out of context today, just as, yeah. a, as a movie, if you're not sort of familiar with where it came from, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that good. Yeah, we actually talked about. I think we mentioned Citizen Kane last episode. Did we? We're a cultured podcast. Very, we very learned. But yeah, some of the we were talking about how uh, I think on Citizen Kane, like some of the um, like cinematography that they did was very uh, revolutionary. Where it was like the first time you would see like the ceiling of inside a building, you know, because they had these low camera angles. Before it was like there was no ceiling; it was just a backdrop that cut off after so far. And then um, another fun one I just learned about in that movie was uh, the the big scene where there's the crowd. You know, it looks kind of like a painted crowd, um, but there's motion in it, which makes it seem like it's kind of live. And it was just all it was was they just cut out little slivers around people's heads and moved like a lights in the background. <laughs> lights in the background, so it imitated motion. It was amazing. Yeah. So, I mean. Or or even a more contemporary example would be like, um, I don't know if you guys play like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, oh yes. We just haven't touched on it yet because we're waiting for someone. But, but yeah. I mean, and if, this guy hasn't finished it. So. That's fine. <laughs> but if you go back and play the original, like when, when that first came out, it oh, got yeah. these big polygon. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Spoon hands. Like. 
<laughs> but but at the time when you use your imagination, it just it in your mind it's incredible. Yeah. No, no. I've gone I've gone and looked back at the gameplay, and I was just thinking like, it was the story and the characters that kept mm-hmm. me in this, and it was like definitely my imagination like just working. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those um, things where it's like. We were talking about, I think this might have been on last episode or two ago, where going back to a PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2 game now is really more difficult than going all the way back to Nintendo, Sega, or Super Nintendo because the graphics in the PlayStation and PlayStation 2 era are, you know, they're terrible compared to now, but they're not bad enough where it's like, oh, they're retro and fun, you know? Uh, it's just one of those ones where it's like really hard to get back into. Kind of like evolution, bro. Like now we look all right, you know, but like our ancestors, the little monkey ones, the in betweens, not so great. You know, <laughs> maybe the first starting rodents, they were cute, but like the in between, not yeah, so much. A lot of heavy, heavy brows back then, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like, eh. um, and it's, it's funny because so my history with Final Fantasy VII, um, I never, I never played it because I never had a PlayStation 1. I, I was a Nintendo boy for a long, long time. Um, but I, I used to watch my friends play it and, you know, I remember them like, I'm like, dude, what's the deal with chocobos? Why do you care so much? Um, <laughs> need to get that fruit <laughs> gotta for get, the breeding. Yeah. Gotta get that golden chocobo. Uh, and so I do remember a lot of that and the fact that it was like four discs or something. I thought that was a nuts idea. Was it four or five? I think it was yeah. three, three or four. I don't remember. Maybe, maybe it's it somewhere between one and five. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. More than one, less than seven. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what was so interesting is I, you know, eventually I got a PSP, um, which I, I got it for free. I never actually <laughs> paid for it. Um, but uh, I decided I would download Final Fantasy VII because you play PlayStation 1 games on it. And I started playing it. I'm like, oh, this is this is not going to happen. I just, <laughs> I'll just have to wait for the remake if it ever comes out. And luckily, you know, we were lucky enough this year where it did come out. And it is... Pretty dang good. I'm pretty excited. The only thing I'll say is it, it surpassed my expectations, and I had high expectations. Yep. But yep. We're, we're, we have a future episode. We're going to definitely talk way more about it. Yeah, exactly. We, we know a couple of the guys who did some voices on there. You know the uh, you know who the voice actor of uh, Cloud is? No, I don't. His name is is it Cody Christian it's or Cody Christian? Cody Christian. I think so. Or oh, Christian wow. Cody. It's one of the two. And we're like, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> So we're basically in Final Fantasy VII. It's pretty cool. Basically Cloud. Yeah. One half of Cloud. Yeah, we're one half of Cloud. He's the bottom half. (laughs) I'll I'll take it. (laughs) All right. Well, Joe, tell us a little bit about uh, Mythic Mythic Market? Mythic Markets. Mythic Mythic Markets. Yeah. So um, essentially we're building this uh, investing platform for fans and geeks. So really anybody who enjoys, um, you know, collecting and uh, investing and sort of an intersection of those things. So we turn vintage comic books, collectible cards, fantasy art, uh, and esports teams for now uh, essentially into publicly traded companies. So anybody can invest in this stuff. And we're also building trading into it. And it's very, it's it's pretty much the same as investing in the stock market. Mm-hmm. So what are some of, some of the goodies you guys have? So we actually uh, uh, released a new uh, investment opportunity today, which is the 1994 Magic Gathering uh, sealed booster boxes. Ooh. So that includes, uh, do you guys play Magic by any chance? I used to, man. I, if I, it wasn't so damn expensive, I would I would pick it. Because the thing is, like, I'm the type of person that would just 
have to like get more or to just to build a good deck. I never did magic, but I chased Pokemon cards for quite some time. And I never actually learned all the rules to play the game, but I loved collecting the cards. So uh, I'll use a Pokemon example, uh, mm-hmm. for instance, since we're in that space as well. Um, so let's say uh, uh, PSA 10 Holofoil uh, First Edition Shadowless Charizard yeah. is, you know, um, it, it ranges depending on the day, but call it $100,000. Jesus. And, and that's something that most people can't afford in its of whole. Of course. Um, and if you, even if you could, it's kind of pra- impractical to, you know, put, put all your eggs into that basket. Um, also very easy to steal or, you know, make disappear too. Sure. Um, and so we take something like that and we uh, wrap it in a company. So we spin up Charizard LLC. And that the coolest com- company of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that company exists just to hold that asset. And then we break that company into shares mm-hmm. and then we securitize it. Um, and maybe getting technical here, but Reg A plus is uh, uh, the securitization model that we use. And so that's filed with the SEC and regulated by the SEC and FINRA. And then we hold essentially an IPO for that card. How, Very cool. I guess if you put it to me in like, comic rareness how rare is that charge i'm trying to wrap because i i you know i'm obviously aware of pokemon <laughs> so i so i do remember now i don't i don't know enough about it to know if it was the shadowless one or, or what but i remember it was a first edition charizard card back in middle school so god how how long ago was that doesn't matter call it 1998 99 something like that i remember one of my douchebag co uh <laughs> Uh, I almost said co-workers. <laughs> uh, One of my co-students. Co-students. What are you? Schoolmates, I guess. He was not my friend, uh, but I went to school with him. Uh, he uh, he had his dad buy him one from some somebody who had one for like $600. And his dad just wrote him a check. And I, I remember me and all my friends were like, dude, look at this guy writing a check for a Pokemon card in middle school. See, I feel like those are the people like in <laughs> like when you're buying like credits to level up your player in like any game. It's like, dude, you grind away, you know, yeah, fucking Yeah, like- pay to win. <laughs> you know. But yeah, that so that was in middle school money back in 1999 or whatever. I can only imagine it's gotten bigger and better since then. I mean, in Pokemon's case, it's the most popular and profitable profitable franchise ever. Mm-hmm. It is the biggest thing on planet Earth. Yeah. And so, um, you know, because of its po- like global popularity, uh, the value of some of these older, uh, more rare items is skyrocketing as well. And they make, you know, I guess I can't call them great investment. They're, they're risky investments, sure. they're speculative investments, but they have appreciated incredibly uh, over the years, like beating pretty much every other asset class. So with that that Charizard card, would it be like the first su- appearance of Superman? Or yeah, that's correct. Yeah, okay. it's kind of like it's like the Holy Grail kind of of Pokemon. I don't think there's a rarer one out there, right? There, there, for Pokemon, yeah, yeah. definitely. So oh, okay. that would be the Pikachu Illustrator card. That's a population of five. Jesus, there's there's only five. Yeah. What what would one of those be worth? Um, we're looking at one for about a quarter million right now. Jeez, oh, I thought it'd be higher. Wheeze. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's for one, four. It's one card. Do they get graded like comics? They do. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's what's the grading system? Uh, same. So uh, I think most of these, the Pikachu Pikachu Illustrator cards are graded by PSA. Um, wh- uh, I think BGS also does 
does that stuff too. Okay, so s- similar to like w- what we see with comics, or like, like a CGC, CGC or whatever. Exactly. So yeah. they get slabbed and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So yeah. you definitely can't you, use you've it. S- you've seen them at well with a card. It's easier because there's not internal pages. No, no. So but, you get the front and the back. But what I'm saying is, like, you obviously can't use it in play. You just, you just, because everyone's gonna know. All right, just, well, he's got it right fucking there, like in his hand. Uh, well, you can Christian, slab your entire deck. Yeah, I have a, I have a whole deck full of slabbed cards. It's like, you know, this tall. Okay, just, well then that's fair. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> it's really expensive to set up, but there's some bangers in there. You know, um, that's really cool. So, uh. When you're kind of deciding on, uh, I guess you'd call it like an asset to go for, right? Um, how do you kind of determine what would be worthwhile and you know uh, what people have interest for? Because um, when I think about it, I think about like all the people who wanted like the Cal Ripken Jr. card or the Ken, Gri- Ken Griffey Jr. was the crazy one that everyone was after. And then yep. upper deck, yeah. obviously that you know the market kind of fell out from under that one for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they were printing thousands of them, just like mil- millions of them, uh, just like money. Yeah, yeah, they were just the the entire sheets of just that card. Exactly, and, and like so, the the hype for it was like manufactured essentially. Like everyone thought this was like ooh, the rare, super rare card to get, but they were just like they're like oh, people want the Ken Griffey Jr. card, let's give them the Ken Griffey Jr. card. So it's like Pogs, you know, like a bunch of them. Uh, don't. Talk about Pogs, Christian. Those are collector's items. <laughs> Do you guys mess with Pogs? Is there is there like the holy grail of Pogs? There may be a hundred thousand dollar slammer or something somewhere. Ooh, but... nice. I might I might have it. I still yeah, I know. have a couple tubes of Pogs. <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. Yeah. So how do you uh, decide on which which ones are the best ones that you're interested in going for? Yeah, so a lot of it is based on the fandoms that we're part of. So like Magic happens to be like my jam from when I was a kid. Sure. Uh, so like we had an Alpha Black Lotus card uh, that we took. Public. I remember that one. So I never. I've saw heard. It. I've heard the name. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what it does. What does it do? Just I know you know. <laughs> So it's a. Wait, let me see if I can try to get it. Was it? It could turn into any mana. Was it? Y- yeah, it produced resources like three uh, resources of any type, any color, oh. and uh, essentially gave you a three-turn head start on everybody else. Jeez, that is a pretty it's pretty good powerful. Card. Yeah, it's pretty good for one to for have. no the cost of no resources. Yeah, that that's. That's a good card to have for sure. Someone was definitely like OP, just like eh, I don't care. Let's I always make wonder it. When, when they're like designing these games and stuff. They're like, this one's really gonna screw people over. <laughs> Back then, I I don't think they really really considered some of those things. No. Yeah, like I I feel like nowadays, especially when we think of like uh, you know uh, I guess the most relatable thing I can think of is like fighting games, right? I remember when Street Fighter Four came out. You know, there was all this talk of balancing and like when it first came out, Rufus was just broken as hell. And, you know, I never wanted to play Rufus. I always wanted to play Ken. And, you know, but they've done a good job of rebalancing it through the years, making, you know, hitboxes smaller, chains breakable and things like that. Um, I think that that's a more recent uh, trend in gaming in general is trying to make it a fair and balanced game. You know, that I think back in the day they were just... They would just come up with a cool idea and throw it out there, kind of thing. It's a lot of cocaine going on. I was like, yeah, <laughs> just, just, yeah. just <laughs> in Magic: The Gathering. Yeah. The thing is, is that no matter how much testing you did back then, mm-hmm. I mean, you could have a hundred people test the game and 
game testing is like the worst job ever. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you could have like a hundred people testing the game, but the once you release it to the public and you're now playing, you know, you have millions of people playing this thing. Like they're gonna find ex- be able to exploit, exploit. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, and also, I guess you know, going to Magic, um, the feedback that they had back then was. It, you know, they'd have to like write a letter, like dear, dear, uh, who does magic? Is it Wizards of the Coast? Yes. Wizard, dear Wizards of the Coast, I find that the Black Lotus is broken. Please redesign and send it in, and hope somebody reads it. Now with forums and you know direct you know mailboxes and stuff. Twitter. You, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Well- I think they had a lot of other stuff to worry about too, particularly uh, Magic: The Gathering. Like there was the whole satanic panic of parents freaking out. There was like, that too. Yeah. There's yeah. always a satanic panic. There's always something going on. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons had the exact same. They thing. had a big one, yeah. But yeah. It, like, I, I actually, I maybe because I played and I remember like on the news, like people were freaking out and like, oh, our kids worshiping like witchcraft. They, they did that doing... for the Beatles too. They did you know it for I mean? Harry Potter too. But I just, I just. <laughs> I don't know, maybe because- Well, Harry Potter was real. That's uh, founded. I mean, J- <laughs> J.K. Rowling is a Satanist. Everyone yeah. knows that. Yeah, she made a ton of money. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> do the have only- pentacles in the, on the cards, right on the card. There it is. There yeah, it is. Proof. The only way you can make a shit ton of money is you got to make a deal. You yeah, know? you got to make a deal Crossroads with the demon, devil. you know? Yeah. <laughs> we know the deal ran out when she wrote Crimes of Grindelwald 2. <laughs> or the, uh, it's like, Magic all right, piece. you had enough. You had enough, J.K. Cool your jets. <laughs> You've had enough success, but I would I would assume that maybe that would kind of fuck up with the gameplay. You know, if they're worried about media, like possibly. Because I remember mm-hmm. they were trying to shut down the game completely. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on back then. Uh, very wild, wild west. Uh, I mean, it was the very first collectible card game. Yeah. So, um, you know, they were still just in their infancy trying to figure this out. Yeah, kind of you know, new grounds that they're breaking into. So tell me how, uh, you know. We've we've talked uh, with you via email and stuff about some comics that you have. Um, what are what are kind of like the categories of collectibles that you've you've kind of worked on so far? So we started with magic, mm-hmm. uh, and so our first two uh, public offerings are in that space. So it's the Black Lotus and it's the sealed booster boxes. Um, that that one we launched today, and that one's uh, fifty five thousand dollars for the booster boxes, or twenty seven fifty per share. And um, and then next up, we've got a uh, comic book, Amazing Fantasy 15. Cool. Um, and uh, that's the first appearance of, of Spider-Man. Uh, I think, I think C- Christian's Chris, a fan. Christian yeah. is a fan. A little bit. Yeah. We're selling parts of Christian's. Uh, Nerds of Friends is doing it on the individual. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> and then uh, we've also got original art from uh in this case magic but also from other other fandoms oh very cool um, and so we've got a, uh, a a piece called giant growth and then um in, in fact we actually ha- have access to the black lotus as well um and that'll that'll be in the couple million dollars very cool so you said you guys have a box of unopened original magic together right exactly so are you guys gonna do like a cool revealing uh, we, these these are strictly investments at this stage, unless somebody actually wanted to come and acquire that mm-hmm. uh, that asset or that that group of assets. Um, but we are working with a, a partner to do a uh, a pack opening from each of those, uh, not our boxes, but a, a, a loose pack uh, oh, of each cool. of those boxes. See, that's like there could be some amazing stuff in there. What's could, in the box? Yeah, yeah, what's in the box? There could be a bunch of black lotuses in yeah. there. Who knows? Oh, well, I doubt it, but there might. Who knows? It could even be a boat. 
Yeah, <laughs> it could be. Um, and so uh, when it comes to like these collectibles, obviously, you know, Christian bought his Amazing Fantasy because he's a super spider nerd and has to have it in his little grubby hands, right? Why they so- got to be grubby? <laughs> oh, they are. Well, I mean, I've known you long enough. I mean, sure, but... <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he wants to have it just to have it. So is is there plans to, uh, ev- you know, eventually let uh, investors have access to any of these things when it comes to, like, especially artwork, if you want to see it in person or what have you? Yeah, so um, I think Indiana Jones probably said it best, this belongs in a museum. Oh, yeah. And so that is our intention, to create a space where people can come and see the their investments and the entire collection. I mean, we're, even as we speak, I know this is great radio, but we're surrounded by amazing collectibles yeah. uh, in your studio right now, and including an amazing Fantasy 15. Yep. And so... Um, uh, that's the kind of experience that we want to create uh, along with this. Our, our vision also expands beyond that uh, into like a, a full experiential space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you might, uh, you know, walk through a wardrobe and end up in Narnia and, oh. you know, be able to create really cool cinematic sort of high production value experiences like that. Um, I, I don't know if you guys are fam- familiar with like Meow Wolf or uh, anything mm-hmm. like that. I don't know that one. No. Or, or maybe a local one like the Museum of Ice Cream. Oh, sure. Oh, got it. But, okay. but much higher production value. Sure. And for, and Not for just geeks. jumping in a pile of sprinkles. I, exactly. I, you know what? I, can, I You brought it up, so I'll say, I can't believe I fell into that. I fell. I went. And it well, was, that's what it's for, is to fall into. <laughs> I was just like, so many people were posting like they were having so much fun. I was like, this is fucking just for Instagram bullshit. Like, this is really what it is. 100%. And I was like, doing I, it for the gram. I was so mad. I was, I was like, I parted dollars for this. It's I not was, cheap. <laughs> I was so upset. Yeah, I did not go to it. Good. I was just like, I mean, learn I, from my mistake. I get it. Someone, someone froze cream at one point. Ice cream. I get it. Although I did appreciate, I was like, this is fucking genius business oh, idea. A hundred percent. So fucking. Smart. How much could that many sprinkles cost? I mean, you know, a grand, maybe. It's actually not that genius at the moment. <laughs> it, oh it, yeah, yeah. It's a. <laughs> Oh, well, well, yeah. Breeding ground for COVID, I bet. It's fine. <laughs> Don't eat the sprinkles. Just at the end, they have a bleach pool that you just <laughs> jump in. Dip your whole self in uh, right after after the whole experience. Yeah. So, I mean, we're doing, uh, you know, we, we intend to do something like that um, and have a partner that we hope to work with. Um, and already, ha- you know, the partner already has like 40 foot tall dragons and uh, and that kind of stuff to create that space. So Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, we'll, we'll be doing things in esports and and uh, other things like that. Interesting. So, say, you know, how how does the process work? So, say I want to buy a chunk of uh, that Black Lotus. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? Uh, do I go through your website directly, and then I'm buying like a share of that? And what happens if, say, uh, you know, you get a buyer for that card and we sell it off? What happens to my interest in it sure um your interest in that card in the scenario that you just described you would um essentially earn uh your proportion of of the purchase price okay uh, based on based on how many shares you have um and so that would be a situation where it'd be like a um uh taking a public company private where some private buyer comes in and buys that company Mm -hmm. so figure like uh uh uber buying grubhub sure since it's kind of in the news right now and so um, they're essentially taking that uh, entity uh, privately, well, not privately, I guess Uber's public too, but into their- in, into Under their, their umbrella their, exactly. or whatever. 
So um, in the same way that if somebody wanted to make a compelling offer on that Black Lotus, um, you know, based on appreciation or just wanting that specific um, copy of it, or in, in the arts case, these are one of ones, um, mm -hmm. you know, they generally command a premium. And so you would earn like that. But for most people, most investors in those things, uh, your liquidity would come through trading. Sure. Okay. So what would what would be the cause? Uh, you know, the art makes sense. You get a buyer who's like, uh, I want to pay this much for it. Let me buy the art. For, for things like the cards, comic books, what have you, what would be the instance that you would want to sell that off? Is it just like, you know, someone asking 20, 30% above, you know, the value of it? Is that kind of the situation? Yeah, that would be, that would be a situation. Basically, we are also shareholders alongside the, um, the, the other investors. Mm -hmm. And uh, we make those sort of uh, liquidity decisions, but ultimately we're acting in the best interest of all the shareholders. Cool. So, so there wouldn't be like a vote, like, like, hey guys, we're considering selling and like, the majority of people are like, hell no. Like, does that get into? It, it, it does. Um, it's not a vote. It's more of a poll for sentiment. Sure. Um, but ultimately, like, as the managers of that um, of that asset, uh, we make that decision. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and then how do you decide what assets you're going after? Like, what's the next one? Is that right now, you know, um, it, I, I assume it's mostly just you and, and whoever your partners are. Um, but is there like a plan in the future maybe to uh, have a polling situation where everyone's like, oh, you know, we want Cal Ripken. No, Ken Griffey Jr. Why do I keep saying Cal Ripken? That's probably a valuable card too. too. He was legit. I don't do sports, man. You know that. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but say, you know, there's a huge sentiment in going after, you know, Action Comics 1 or Detective 10. What's 10? I, I don't know. A Marvel guy 20, again. Twenty six, twenty eight, something like that. Twenty six. That was Batman. Okay. Um, so, uh, is there plans in the future to do, to do like a polling for interest in that kind of thing? Yeah. So we have a um, uh, a poll on the site for for that already. Mm -hmm. But um, for instance, for the next uh, batch of assets, we actually did do a poll with our investor base, and they picked out some of the favorites that we kind of put out there, and and that's what we're acquiring next. Ah, oh, very cool. Yeah, I like that. I think it's a cool way for, you know, someone to own a piece of, you know, something they've always dreamed about kind of thing. I mean, you know, uh, not everyone's going to be like Christian where you can actually own, you know, a high dollar comic like, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15 or, or Detective 20, whatever. Um, you know, it's it's cool to be able to have a piece. I think that if, if you once you get to like the uh, museum showroom aspect of it, I think that's going to be you know, a really cool, uh, opportunity for a lot of people. Cause even going, you know, we've all been to comic conventions and they always have that big, you know, CGC booth or not even the CGC one, but like the private auction ones where they have all the high dollar stuff there and they don't want you like holding it and looking at it or, you know, even hanging around there too often if you're wearing, you know, shorts and a tank top uh describe yourself <laughs> uh, i don't wear tank tops anymore <laughs> but yeah uh yeah it's from personal experience Christian. <laughs> but uh you know it'd be kind of cool to have you know a more comfortable environment to kind of experience those things but not only that can you imagine if you go to a museum and like hey see that one it's partially mine <laughs> yeah page absolutely. one is technically mine <laughs> 
I mean, uh, we've actually done several pop-ups already at mm-hmm. various shows, Very and cool. um, and so we you know put them on display there, and you just have a lot of people come and go like, wow, I've never seen one of those, or um, you know, I've only seen one on the internet, or like you know, just people going like, wow, like when this you know, uh, this, this Black Lotus was important to me because, um, you know, it saved my ass during this game or whatever. Yeah. Um, people have fond memories of this stuff in, in many cases. Yeah. Except for me with the Charizard. I just hate that guy. <laughs> what was his name? It's a memory nonetheless. Yeah. It was, it was John something. You know what? The, the kid left an impression. Though. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> it was a impression part of my, uh, middle school career. So how do you determine how many shares you're going to divide it up is there like some regulation that dictates that or is that something you decide uh in general we've been breaking them up into 2000 shares um the reason being that there is certain uh, regulatory thresholds above having over 2000 shareholders mm-hmm. um and so we capped at least today uh at 2000 so that it's impossible for us to trigger that regulatory requirement okay um but for instance if we offer a uh an action comics for instance that's going to be like a five or six million dollar book at least sure um you know 2000 shares of that's still going to be way out of most people's capacity right and so we might make it i don't know 20,000 shares or whatever it happens right. to be to get it to, to make a, it a little bit more attainable exactly Right, because I mean, if you're still, if you still have to be, you know, fairly wealthy to invest in it, it's not as much fun for the everyman kind of thing. Right. You could always uh, hit up Nick Cage and see if he'll sell his. Doesn't he have one? Not anymore. So that one was stolen. Oh. That was the. That Wait, was which one did he have? Action one. <sighs> really? Yeah, was it a national it. treasure situation where someone like found a map to it? He probably had it next to the dinosaur egg. He <laughs> he just had it out on display. Someone burgled him for that book, like for his collection, but Makes for sense. that book, and they Oof. found it in a storage locker. Oh, he got it back. Well, it, it, they ended up like turning it over at auction or something. Oh. But yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, they tracked it back to, because they're all slabbed, yeah. so you, you can. Yeah, they have a serial number. Yeah. So at the end of the day, did he get it back or no? He, um, I think it was like. Potentially, I, I don't remember. It's on the, on the internet, but possibly out of the statute of limitations. Well, the uh, spirit of vengeance will uh, track <laughs> track down whoever did it and take care of him. I, I really he could use the money right now. I know. I, yeah. I really want him to bounce back, man. He's been making good decisions. I feel. Well, yeah. Uh, lately, with Mandy and uh, Spider Verse, uh-huh. and I guess now Tiger King. So <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see if that's it's gonna. <laughs> it's either gonna be fucking amazing. Or, or terrible. amazingly terrible. Well, I mean, it's an amazingly terrible story. So, I mean, I guess it could be, you know. When he got attached, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love I all- have a feeling, but I'm not sure if it's fear or excitement. Well, he's he been- may never financially recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think that... Um, just another point on Nicolas Cage. I think he's he's been making better decisions. Mandy, you know, which is kind of cool because that's a similar, I mean, not exactly like what your business does, but a similar feel to it where it's like it's nerds funding entertainment. Um, you know, I think Legion M has done a lot of great work in that space kind of thing. And, and him partnering with them is a great thing. And then that new color uh, of space, color another- of space. Was that good? Did you see that one? I th- I saw it. I, think I you said you saw it, right? I liked it. Uh, the practical effects were amazing. Um, yeah. He, it reached all his spectrum of Excellent. trying to be normal and then fucking extremely not normal. That's um, all I want from a Nicolas Cage movie. I, I would highly recommend it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. So if there's one, if there's one like holy grail 
uh, asset that you'd like to get. I mean, Action Comics one is is pretty amazing. I think you said Amazing Fantasy. Amazing Fantasy is also very amazing. But what would be like your end all be all kind of thing to attain? Um, so there's a few. Uh, you know, obviously Action One. Um, I think uh, as a Magic fan, the original art for the Black Lotus would be amazing, which yeah. we, we, we can get. Nice. Um, and obviously that's a one of one. Um, and that'll be several million dollars. Um, but uh, I think, well, I think as a big Trekkie, it would be amazing <sighs> to get the original uh, Enterprise D model. But also... That would be amazing. Also, uh, for 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 the Trekkies out there, uh, the Picard's Resican flute. Would Ooh, be amazing. that would be really good. So, this is a fun fact. I watched a little behind the scenes thing on Picard, the new show. Did you watch that? Yes, definitely. You like it? Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was um, it was different. It was different, and you know, it's good good hanging out with old friends, though. Exactly, a hundred percent. But the uh, the theme song, I wasn't crazy about when I first heard it. But then they said, well, we wanted the little flute in there to reference that flute. And I was like, all right, I like it now. Should, should we explain the flute and its uh, significance? For yeah. Yeah, you go ahead. You take it away. So I, I was going to ask, but now that you offered. It's a great episode. It's possibly the, the best episode, um, or at least one of the highest rated. Um, very not in the... Um, it's it's not your typical episode. Sure. And so basically, um, spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> For sure, that came. Oh, we forgot. Dude. We don't have a Star Trek one. <laughs> oh, that's Star Trek. That's Star Wars. <laughs> Star- oh, that's right, Star Wars. Yeah. The Reskin flute is, um, uh, well, I guess backstory. So there's a uh, a civilization that's been dead for a thousand years. And, um, you know, they, they had a star, their star was going like supernova and they were going to get wiped out. Um, and they wanted to kind of live forever in this time capsule by passing on their history and their stories and their culture. And so they created this probe that they launched into space. And um, this probe would just kind of be floating out there until it found, somebody found it. And they sort of beamed their their the history of their culture into their minds and um and the story i guess that they were trying to communicate to um to whoever was going to be on the other end of that was the story of of the character that picard ended up um becoming uh if i recall correctly came in something like that something like that yeah and um and uh basically he like lives out an entire lifetime exactly and and sort of the significance of that living that entire lifetime is that as a career, um, you know, uh, career Starfleet, um, you know, captain or, or just a, a member of Starfleet, he opted to focus on his career and not have a family and sacrifice a lot of these other things that, you know, he doesn't necessarily regret. He loves what he's done in his career, but, um, you know, he, through this experience, actually got to have that sort of family experience, like yep. what it would be like to have a family. And um, and sort of throughout that episode, sort of one way that he kept grounded uh, was to kind of learn how to play this flute, and there's just an amazing tune that goes along with it. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's really powerful because it sort of all, it, uh, in some ways kind of like Pavlov's dog where 
um, you know, you tie this to how powerful that entire experience, that entire effect was on Picard. And in, yeah. some, in some ways, it was like a dream. He lived out like 50 years in 20 minutes or something. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, it's like a kind of a internal simulation, essentially. Right, right, right. And when he's out of it, he's lived this entire lifetime, but he's just... You know, it's only been however 10, 15 minutes or whatever in real time. And he's he's got – it kind of ends, I think, with him just like sitting in his in his room playing the little flute to himself kind of thing. And you're like, oh, my God. But but this was all sort of in his mind. And so when they uh, reeled in the probe and opened it up and stuff like that, the only thing that was in it was this flute. Oh, yeah. and, they, and they let him keep it. Well, yeah. it was the probe. There was no one there. Oh, I meant like whoever, like whatever scientific group were like, you know, obviously I would think they want to put it in a museum or something. It, it was their sort of their, their, um, you know, what they could, I guess, afford to put as their payload in this time capsule of theirs. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's a really good episode. I will say just because we're talking. Uh, it's called you know, The Inner Light. Inner Light. Yeah. Um, I will say one of my favorite episodes uh, of Next Gen is, I don't remember the actual name. I could probably tell you. Yeah, I, I'm sure you can. <laughs> Because I'm really bad with the titles of them, but it's the one where it's Darmok and Tanagra. It's called Darmok. Is it called Darmok? Perfect. I love that one where it's just basically it's a story is Picard gets stranded on a strange planet with a member of a different alien race. And this alien race, uh, you know, the reason why all aliens speak English in Star Trek is there's the universal translator that is basically their comm badges linked to the uh ship's computer good, that's a good save that translates know? right what was a good save like that like you know how you can translate everyone speaking english oh yeah yeah, show, yeah, like- yeah yeah i mean you know they it definitely makes sense but the translator has troubles with this particular race because they only speak in i guess idioms you know so like they'll only speak in references to stories and folklore so you know the reason why it's called like darmok and Tanagra and Jalad. Darmok and Jalad. At Tanagra. At Tanagra. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this this alien is trying to reference the story. But in you know, Picard eventually finds out that the story references to two people who had to like work together to get out of the situation or something. So it was very interesting. And um spoiler alert to that one, the the, the other alien guy dies, right? He gets I forget what happens. He gets there's some trapped under a rock or something that comes in. Of course, yes, yeah, so some some sort of goo or something, and so he dies, and so Picard eventually gets rescued by his crew and has to kind of, you know, talk down the other aliens' ship who was going to attack the Enterprise, and he he learns to kind of speak their language through their idioms and stuff, and he there's a very cool scene when they're around a campfire down on the planet, and he's kind of talking. What is it? The story of like Odysseus or Perseus or something like that. Uh, Picard tells a version. Uh, oh, uh, uh, I want to say it was like Sodom and Gomorrah or it, something. I, like that. I, I don't. Gilgamesh. Think it, it was Gilgamesh. It Gilgamesh. was definitely not Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, hey, so man, there was this angel. That's that's some <laughs> that's some good campfire talk. I don't know what you guys are talking about. So the dad offered to like just go ahead and rape my daughter. Yeah. leave my visitors alone. <laughs> it's a story, nonetheless. It would have gotten a point across. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it was Gilgamesh. Um, so it's kind of interesting, you know, him trying to figure out how to like what stories of our culture would communicate certain feelings. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. That's why I love Star Trek no, in I, general. In the few episodes I've seen, like, yeah, it, it like it to me. It's it's one of the more, I haven't seen anything as of today as that original ideas 
and, the, and like like almost I feel like the few episodes I've seen you can do like a full length movie on like just the theme that they touch on. Yeah, there's definitely episodes out there like that. Yeah, you know? definitely. So I want to test out your knowledge. I like my favorite one so far is where Will Will Wheaton gets stuck <laughs> Will in um, the planet with all the like hot aliens and they all want to bang each other. Yeah, and then he like crushes some flowers or something. Yeah, that was like the one rule they're they like, can do. You crush the flowers, now you gotta die. We were gonna bang you forever, but now you're gonna die. So, so, so we're conflating two different things actually. Um, and I, I, oh man, I'm I'm probably tipping, uh, revealing a little much about my my trekkie knowledge. No, it's a it's a hundred percent cool. I I'll, like, I never I'm never claiming to be like the ultra trek, uh, you know, uh, authority. But because I know some of it, and Christian knows like none of it, it just you know I'm the only one who ever gets to talk. What's about What's the it, name so. of that episode? I'm just curious. It, it doesn't matter if you don't know. But it, to me, it was just I was like, how did they? I could have. You could almost see nipple. Like, how did they get away oh, yeah. with so much of this back then? Well, yeah. because Gene Gene Roddenberry, uh, I think was no, no. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm now playing Star Trek and Star Wars, but um. Uh, but yeah, I, I know. Exactly. Oh, you're talking about George Lucas. There's no bras in space. Exa- exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but that specific episode. So they're not actually on Risa, which is the pleasure planet that you're that you're referring. Oh to. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that this was the one where they're they all like jog. Yes. You know, to and from everywhere and they go. They're in these onesies. That, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how? Rompers I mean, rompers not, are cool. It's like I'm not mad. <laughs> like I, I like the episode. But I was like, oh, how did this make it on like? TV? Oh, there's the, there's also the one where like Deanna Troy is like she uh, had, is mind controlled by some. What was what was it? She it was, had not a lot of great episodes. Yeah, yeah. she did not. <laughs> there's 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 some questionable ones in there, you know. I, I mean, I'll, gotta I like keep gotta keep the ratings up, you know. Got to do some of that. Yeah, I just got to keep up with the new stuff. So you know, the new stuff comes first, and then you know when I get some downtime, yeah, catch up on. Yeah, well, Star Trek's a great show. I mean, uh, I would recommend ed- anyone watch it just because Next Gen is – you don't have to watch any other Star Trek than Next Gen. I still think you should because, like, I, I really love Voyager. I think uh, it gets uh, too hard of a, a criticism from a lot of people. Um, but I think it was a very good show in its own right. Deep Space Nine, there's some good stuff in there. Like, I really like finding out more about Worf. But for the most part, I, it wasn't for me. I, I loved DS9 my, myself. But yeah. A lot of people do. And, you know, I'm definitely, I feel like I'm in the minority for not being a huge fan. There's great stuff in there. There's some stuff with uh, Cisco and Dax that I really enjoy. Uh, of course, Worf is always a pleasure. And, you know, um, and Quark has some of his, you know, there's quirks. Some, some of his quirks. Uh, but to me, like, the exploration was always my favorite part of it. And there was, there's some of that in that show, um, especially with the wormhole and everything. But um, to me, it wasn't it wasn't quite the same spirit. But um, Yeah, they focused more on, um, you know, politics, war. Yep. Um, Which and- is still an interesting aspect of Gene Roddenberry's future, I think. So it definitely has its own place. But yeah, everyone should watch Star Trek. Even the original series. The original series is old. And dated. Uh, appreciate it for what it right. is. Exactly. You know, it's appreciate it for what it gave us, you know? Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of my favorite things. I I've love. seen most of the Oroville. I don't know if that counts. Does that yeah. help? The, I will say, so I will touch on the Orville briefly, is that it is, it has the spirit of Star Trek. And I'd say it's more like Star Trek than Star Trek Discovery is. I, I would agree. Yeah, right? I mean, obviously... 
it's it, got jokes. It's I mean, humorous. You know, it, it you know, coming from uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane, it has to be right. There's going to be musicals. There's going to be you know fart jokes, but the fact that they take like some you know uh, particular part of our society now and what's going on in our world and try to extrapolate what happens in the future. Like there was the one where uh, it was kind of like the Black Mirror episode where everyone's uh, oh, the got the social, yeah. the likes up and down kind of thing. Um, and, you know, one person got so many dislikes that they were going to murder them or whatever. Um, yeah, it was the smartest guy on the ship. Is <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then, or like with uh, Bo- uh, Bordis, Bortles, something like that, Bordis, when he lays an egg and he has, you know, he has his, you know, same-sex partner but they're fighting and they have to sit on this egg naked. It's obviously hilarious that he's sitting on an egg <laughs> naked. But when the when the uh, rest of the crew has to like figure out whether it's they should accept their culture, there's I want to spoil that episode. It's fairly new, but there's there's some procedure that they want to do to the young child that most people don't think is you know appropriate. That, that actually that episode is funny you bring it up was really good because you're like, well, yeah, what you side don't want to be disrespectful to that culture but at the same time in your culture you think that's right. foul. Like what where, do you do? Where yeah, where do you take action? Where do you take a stand kind of thing? So I think it's, you know, I think Gene Roddenberry would be very proud of that show. Um and discover- I mean, Seth MacFarlane was also on Star Trek a few episodes Th- of Star that's Trek. That's true. Yeah, he was. What? Yeah, you you'll see him he was like a he was like a crew member or something on at one point. Enterprise, yeah. Yep, yep. Oh yeah, it was on Enterprise. I did like the You can robot. watch that show too. There's some there's some good stuff in I Enterprise. Like when they were trying to teach the robot like what a prank was and it's like that's like that part was hilarious. Like yeah. you know, obviously the fucking robot's not gonna know what a prank is and he takes it too far. Yeah, there's there's fun stuff in there too, but I mean I, I will say I was very impressed with how, you know, cerebral some of those episodes got while maintaining, you know, humor, you know. But uh, yeah, Discovery's fine. It's there's good stuff in there. But you know, if I want next gen style, like original Star Trek style, Orville's the way to go. Nice. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not uh, so I mean, far away then. You, even Picard, if you if you watch Next Gen, mm-hmm. Picard's totally worth picking up, even though it's not anything like uh, what you might be used to. It's still it's it's about the characters mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And I have a few bottles of uh, Chateau Picard. As yeah. Well. I mean, I want to have to do because we saw him at Comic-Con, you know, and it's like the stories he was telling oh, and stuff like he almost cried. And I was like, fuck, man, like, don't make me cry. Like I did cry a little bit. And I, I was like, Sean Luke. Uh, yeah, I want to get the wine, too. I I every time it comes back in stock, I'm like, should I do it? Uh, and then Is it you good? Know. it's not great wine, <laughs> but, but that's not why you bought it. Yeah. Same thing with the Game of Thrones whiskey and the beers. And those I are, have, those I have are good too. whiskeys. Yeah, they it, were. It's like a Johnny Double Black. It, it's eh, it's okay. Oh, I, uh, yeah. You're uh, you talking about like the White Walker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh, oh. I have the the separate distillery ones. Uh, so I forget uh, which which one I got, but I got the Stark one, and it was okay. Not a big Scotch guy, but what are you gonna do? Um, I I like the Game of Thrones beers. One of my favorite beers of all time was a Dragon's Blood Red Ale or something like that. Ooh. But uh, I only had it once, and I'll never have it again because it was limited edition. So uh, I'm sure there's another company. That fuck does my it. life. <laughs> there's uh, similar ones, but never quite as good. I guess when the ending dropped, they're like, "Fuck it, yeah, <laughs> like no more distance, <laughs> distance. We still need people to buy beer." <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, tell us where uh, people can find you, how they can invest, um, plug whatever you want to plug. 
Sure. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, you can go uh, to mythicmarkets.com mm -hmm. on your phone or on you know your laptop or wherever, and uh, sign up, and you'll be able to browse our collection. And we're adding more stuff every month. Uh, and uh, yeah, stay tuned. We've got some cool stuff coming. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come see us. You're the first guest to come to our new studio. So uh, it's pretty fun to bring people here. And I think, you know, hopefully we'll eventually rival some of your collectibles here. <laughs> I don't know. Or if you, if you feel like you need to store one, you know. We yeah, have just start space. naming prices. You know, <laughs> we're not attached to any of this shit. Well, I'm attached <laughs> to some of my shit. <laughs> so. I'm not. <laughs> I'll, I'll sell it to you when he's not around. Uh, but, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time and coming out. You know, uh, it's fun to have an in-person guest. Uh, Especially these days. Amidst all the quarantine. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been a rough time. And we're definitely all six feet apart. We, all the rules. I mean, we're pretty good. I mean, not 100%, but, like, you're a little close. But, yeah, besides that, <laughs> uh, it's fine. But, uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, you can check us out at nerdsoffriendspodcast.com. We have our blog on there. Uh, we have our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Tea. All linked on there. We have a link to buy our delicious tea from Plum Deluxe. And it's getting closer for the new thing. Yep, we're, we're still working it. on a couple new merch items, so those will come eventually. Um, and We just like the teas. Yeah, we love the teas. But um, I think that uh, you know, if you go onto the website, it has all the good stuff there. Comment, like, subscribe. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Christian, thank you for joining me as always. So much fun. We'll have to make sure we bring one other set of headphones uh, next week so yes. I don't have these cruddy ones. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. Um, and to all the nerds out there, remember, you're not alone. You're with friends. This is Nerds with Friends. Thank you and good night.